Closing the goddamn door, no! Some love it's much better to face these kinds of things With a sense of poison, rationality, rationality. I it. Sorry. Haven't you people ever heard of Closing the goddamn door? No. no! No! I went to see them live in, like, Nottingham, I remember And I, like, literally almost had a panic attack At Panic at the Disco Did you no. panic at the Disco? <laughs> <laughs> because because i hate crowds right and they were fucking insane like i was I hate people kind of close to the front and they everyone kept on shoving each other left and right and i was like so panicked i was like i have to get out of here i have to get out of here i'm guys i'm, I'm sure. panicking i'm panicking i'm panicking at the disco right now i'm having an anxiety attack at the disco i appreciate that's less catchy but uh, <laughs> get me out that happened to my friend when we went to see um Dizzy Rascal. Mm. Same thing, we were at the front. And it was me, Maggie, and our friend Charlotte. And we were like, me and Maggie were like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. And Charlotte was like, oh my God, I hate this. Get me out. I, yeah, I cannot yeah. stand crowds like that. Get it's me getting out shoved there. at the front as yeah. well. I can remember the first time I went to one like that. I went with um, my stepdad and his friend, and they were, they were always going to stuff like that. The first time I encountered a marsh, or, or like and everybody moving around where you're like really being pushed into and stuff I, I was so not expecting it that I was like I don't know I think I was just like right guys we've got to stick together while we while we handle this I think I was like like holding the hands like okay we're gonna go this way we're gonna go. Like, and they were just laughing at me because they were like this is just normal for concerts but it was brand new to me <laughs> see I don't mind like getting pushed around a bit but like a full-on mosh absolutely not never that's horrible mm. I've can't see what people enjoy about them at all mm. getting like hit no no thank you yeah i chipped my tooth guys oh I chipped no. my veneer. how on earth have you done that i like i walked into a gate oh, last night how did you walk into a <sighs> gate god I, do you know what it was so unexpected i was drunk i mean i, I can't remember what we were do, doing just like i don't know just being idiots and I watched his skate went boom, and then I chipped my veneer. So, right. that's where we're at. Three days before I go to Mexico as well, so that's fun. That's <laughs> fun. Show me. Right. Show me. So that tooth there. Yeah. I chipped it. Yeah. Uh, like a few years ago. I remember. Again, when I was drunk. Yeah. So I have a veneer over it, and then I got into a gate last night. I chipped that. Are you going to have to pay for that? I'm a student, so I'm hoping not. No. Hmm. Oh I don't gosh. have a dentist though, so I need to sign up with a dentist. Yes, and if you're like, signing up for an NHS one, you'll probably get one in 2027. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I've always found it um, easy to find dentists. Oh, I haven't. But then oh, really? we are out in smaller, I'm in a smaller town. I'm yeah. in a smaller town, and yeah, so that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. Do we need to do a trigger warning about it? Because um, it's, you know. Yeah. Suicide. Um, well, we didn't. Suicide. We didn't trigger warn the rosebuds. How have you? Have you had flashbacks every time you've you've gone into your garden now, Corey? <laughs> I don't have any fucking rosebuds right now, anyway, because my garden's being shit. <laughs> Did you go out after that pod and be like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was gonna like. You know, like when you go to a buffet and they like make the salami into a little rose, and it's like <laughs> a little meaty rosebud. I saw one of those not that long after and I was going to send it to you, Corey, and then I was like, no, because it's, number one, it's 
the rosebud would be offensive to you, which was the intended purpose. But then I was like, it's entirely made of meat. So that's probably a step too far. A meaty yeah. rosebud. Well, that's that what is it a is, isn't horrible, it? horrible <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Look at my meaty rosebud. Yeah. <sighs> Hands feel sick. Very good. So anyway, so yeah. yeah, but I think maybe we should do a bit of a trigger warning because okay. we're talking about. So today we're talking about euthanasia, um, the ethics behind it, and euthanasia is this, and we're talking about other stuff as well. But euthanasia is assisted suicide, and it literally means good death. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be talking about that. And what's the case as well, Charlie? So we also about? was going to look at it just briefly. Well, we were meant to discuss this ages ago, and then obviously Naomi kept talking about you know sex dreams and more important stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were talk about the case of Archie Batsby um, because I think there is overlap in terms of the law um, because a lot of it comes down to when life is deemed to have ended. Um, so I read the legal judgment on that several weeks ago so that we could discuss it. And then Naomi kept having wet dreams and that obviously was the priority. No, so, I'm not dreaming about us. That's true. But yeah, then mm, that is yeah, true. That's true. It was just yeah, one nipple. Naomi, it was one nipple. I've seen worse when you've sent me drunk selfies. <laughs> I don't remember sending you drunk selfies. Well, no. Oh, no, I do actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite recently. <laughs> I know because I went through my phone the other day and I was like, ah. There she is. There she is. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> Plus, like, the thing in Edinburgh, like, I've seen... Went through your phone. You mean your screensaver? Yeah. I went through my, uh, you know, my... Uh, I opened my phone and there you were. <laughs> and I went through the poster that I've put on the ceiling above my bed. Yeah. And there you were. <laughs> Funny out and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, did I, I sent you both podcasts. Did you both what, listen to it? Yeah, I did, yeah. Was well, it the most fascinating I read thing it, ever? but... Really interesting. Yeah, it's so really interesting. interesting. I listened to that maybe a couple of years ago, and then every every like maybe six months, I've probably gone back to it to like refresh because I just think it's such an interesting. It's probably the best overview of where we're at with euthanasia, I think, to date. That's In it. It's on the Guardian. If anyone wants to check it out, is it something like has death? Or assisted dying um, gone too far? Yeah, I can put a link in the description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I don't know what I mean. Do you want to do you want to start with explaining the Charlie Battersby case Archie and what happened Battersby. there? Archie, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at um, Charlie Guard, which was another yes. really interesting case. Similar. Today. Yeah, very similar. Both. Oh, you know, I did I did part of my dissertation on Charlie on the Charlie. Oh, Guard did you? Case. Yeah. Well, one of. Oh, interesting. One, one of my dissertations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's very educated, you know. I'm very edgy. I'm very educated. Edgy. Yeah. And educated. Okay, yeah. Start with talking talking about the Charlie case. Which, uh, no, I mean, it was Archie. All- <laughs> yeah, so Archie Battersby. So, well, it was all over the media, wasn't it, a while back? And I thought this is, I'm going to look into this because obviously I work in the law, and I thought I wonder what area of law this is because it's it's not your everyday case, and obviously I tend to do more your everyday type stuff and I was thinking is does this fit into children law and even like you know I spoke to a barrister and I was like is this children law and he was like I'm not sure it might be human rights law so if even a clever barrister wasn't sure I thought all right okay but actually if you read if you just google Archie Battersby judgment it's really easy to find it it's about 20 30 page document you can read through and it's in very simple um language and it was um just the, I think, I mean, 
it, this, these, this, the simple legal mechanism was an application for what's called a specific issue order. So I come across those um, in in legal matters, for example, when parents disagree about something and they want um, one of them, let's say uh, vaccinations or a child going abroad or change of name, loads of different things. What 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 school a child goes to? You can ask the court to make an order on a specific issue that you don't agree on. Um, and so it would be like a ob, an object objective. Is that the word? Uh, a third party, uh, an objective third party. Well, the court, yeah, a judge will make it. Will make the decision, or magistrates if it's heard by magistrates. Obviously, his case was heard by a high court judge. Um, I mean, and it was appealed. Separate. It was appealed, and the appeals lost. But I read, I think, the initial judgment, and because it's it's that long ago now, I've, I've um, forgot the judge's name, but it was a woman. Um, I thought the judgment was very good, and and you know where we were talking before about how uh, sometimes things can be really difficult to read and very wordy. It wasn't at all like it was. Re- like I would recommend reading it. Um, so basically, it was all. I mean, what, what's your, guys? What are your recollections about what you saw in the media about it? Um, well, I was going to say, like, tell the people, for people who aren't in the UK, like, what the actual case mm. was, like, what happened to this boy. Uh, I feel like you two were more familiar with it than I was, because you were discussing it quite a lot on the WhatsApp group. Yeah. Do you want to go, or should I? Well, all I know is that um, his mum his mom said that he was trying a TikTok challenge mm. that went wrong. And it was like the blackout challenge. Um, And he was found with like a sort of ligature around his neck at home. Yeah. And And um, had he used a dressing gown cord or something like that? Yeah, dressing gown. Basically. Dressing gown belt. And also, what is the blackout challenge? I think it it was to get yourself to, well, to hang yourself until you black out and then... To pass out. But, well, it's it's not necessarily, you don't have to hang yourself that's the other thing like you you can do it anyhow like a, a lot of people just like um hold their breath until they pass out and then obviously like your system kicks back in when you do it that mm. way yeah well, so but if you do it but if you do it with a ligature around your neck obviously like your system can't kick back in yeah i don't know i don't know i've not i mean mm. i've not read anything about that but i mean uh, mm. the thing that was a bit so the the thing that was of interest to me was the fact that he then was so I mean the thing that caught the, the media attention anyway there's lots of peripheral discussions going around but the main thing was that he was taken to hospital um and um then rushed off to another more serious hospital uh, at which point they, they thought he was brainstem dead um and they wanted to do a brainstem death test to try and prove that um and they then wanted to and I think the initial application was that they could do that test um, and whether or not he could could be... Well, I think the, the two things that the judge... Again, sorry, this is so long since I read this now. The two things that the judge had to decide on was, was he dead? Was he dead? Because the legal test for that in this country is brain stem death. And the legal test in America is brain death. Um. Okay. <coughs> And I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know about the rest of the world, but so I thought that was interesting. What is he actually dead? And number two, it, could they turn off his life support? So that was that was that was the key thing. Mum mm. didn't want them 
family didn't want the hospital to turn off his life support. And the hospital mm. made an application for the specific issue of whether they could. Even though in the UK he was technically dead. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? So he was technically dead. So they did that brain stem death do it. test. They couldn't, they couldn't do, do, it. do it. But they got a judge to decide on the balance of probability, is he dead? And the judge thought, yeah, on the balance, he is dead. Okay. So because one of the things they did was they made the initial application, then everything was delayed and blah, blah, blah. And then they they did MRIs and they kept doing scans and stuff and going back and forth. And, and um, they noticed that part of his a part of his brain had even started necrotizing and like coming away so like i mean the the medical view was that the, there was no coming back um, what does necrotizing mean dead dead flesh like oh, like right. actually like decomposing Rotting. yeah mm, yeah okay um because of what about. because of i i mean i i'm no expert but because of what happened they couldn't actually do the brainstem test but the judge it was clear that he was dead that there was I mean the main consideration in any legal children matter is what is in the child's best interest and one of the things the mum was mm. arguing was he, he, his wishes and feelings would need to be taken into account so she said his brother was clear that if he was ever in a situation like that he would want to be put to sleep and or for it to be not put to sleep but you know he'd want the, 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 medica- the medical intervention withdrawn but he said Archie was had more recently developed um, r- or religious tendencies or had some sort of belief and his wishes and feelings would be that he was kept um, uh, kept on life support until um, essentially his body gave up. I think the, I don't know. But the other thing in the judgment was that they got their counsel, so their barrister, who was doing it pro bono, to, um, to raise that they thought, num- that they thought, the hospital was starving him. Mm, I read um, about that. Yeah, but Why? It, but because whatever damage had been done in his brain was so bad that he could no longer control his bowels. So he was basically just having awful bouts of diarrhea over and over again. They'd even had to get a nutritionist on board to try and work out, you know, what they were giving him to try and to try and, you know, mediate it with what they were feeding him. But one of the medical ways of trying to help that is if somebody's had an awful, awful, awful bout of diarrhea, then you don't then you have a, a break. You don't feed them, you let them heal before you introduce more food again. So the judge was saying that there was there was the judge found there was absolutely no evidence of that. Um mm. But if you of see them pictures start of them, he... starving him intentionally, yeah, the, yeah, right, okay, that's what they were like. That's what the parents were alleged in the hospital was doing, yeah, starving yeah. Him intentionally. Yeah. It was very thin. But I mean, if mm. you break, if you've gone past a point where bits of your brain are coming off because the, it's dead, and um, and your body, your brain no longer can stop you from just shitting yourself every time you mm. eat anything. But she'd, she'd started up like a Facebook group, hadn't she? Like his mom. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, there was loads of it. And what was it? A Christian group had got on board and was saying. Yeah. Which and I they were basically really like, they were all basically rallying around her. Like he had his own little fan club. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and A fan club? Like Archie did. Archie's yeah. Angels, was it? I think it was Archie's Angels. Yeah. And they, it was basically like, it had become like a bit of a cult, hadn't it? Um, yeah. This is what I was reading about, like the sort of like internet cult side of it, which I found interesting. 
Yeah. And like she she was basically running this group and she was making a lot of allegations against the hospital in this group and they were all like agreeing with her and being like it's terrible that they won't feed him and like they would just have like conspiracy theories just like Mm. run rampant in this group about like the hospital like it even got to the point where some of them were saying oh i think they want his organs like yeah yeah. And, and it happens like, as soon as anything goes into the media, doesn't it? People mm-hmm. who have no real understanding of what's going on all of a sudden are very yeah. opinionated yeah. about a situation of which they know so little about. Mm. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I was really interested in was because they, they kept showing clips, um, the people who were trying to argue that they should keep their life support, and kept showing clips of somebody who had allegedly been declared brainstem dead who'd come back from that. I mean, I suspect this was probably just a case where they'd got it wrong in the past. And there was a guy who had apparently been declared brainstem dead. And then um, he was interviewed and you could see that he had some sort, you could see he had a brain injury from the way he was speaking. But I suspect- mm. Is this what they showed the, the, the judge in court? Oh, what? Not in the, ju- oh, well, I'll get to that. So I, that's what was piqued my interest. I was thinking, ah, okay, how interesting. Does our UK, and a similar American test for death. So I mean, you can you can be lying there, you can be breathing. I mean, I mean, I think if you brainstem dead, then you have to be assisted with that. So you have to have um, you have to be assisted by the hospital or you know whatever machinery to do it. I don't think you can do it for yourself once you brainstem dead, but you can have a heartbeat and you can be breathing, and the machinery will just keep you going. So you can be dead legally but have a heartbeat and be breathing i mean that is mm. but anyway oh, so, how, so you know the guy that came back after he was declared brainstem dead how i could long? never find it i could never find his specific uh, case okay. but i mm. suspect because there's a difference between being told that somebody's going to be a vegetable and being told that somebody's going to be brainstem dead. I mean, there's different levels of it. Because I could remember right. a Louis Theroux do- documentary, and I tried to look for this as well, and I couldn't find it, where he was in America, and there was somebody where their family members had been told he is never going to come back as anything like himself, and then he did, and it was a miracle. But that is different, I believe, to brainstem death, where you, you, you just, you, you're gone. Your, your brain mm. can no longer function. I suspect- even, like, you know, people who are in comas for a long time, you get people who are in comas for years mm. and then they come back. Mm. But from what I can gather, when that does happen, that person is not, is just so incredibly unwell that yeah. in my opinion, it would have been better to just let them die. Well, I mean, sometimes, but I mean, I think that's a separate issue. I think brainstem death is different. To being in a coma i mean i'm not saying they can't be mutually i'm not saying they're mutually exclusive i think you can have overlap but i, I think it's brainstem death is the absolute um you know the last bastion so that's what i think it was so i think that's what really piqued my interest and i thought okay how i want to know because if I, if I was a parent that was that was the thing that made me question whether I would take the parents' side because I'm thinking if I was a parent and there was even even these miracle cases, I would be going and trying to like persuade like you know plead that case. And what one of the experts that they got to um, plead in in the case to the court 
Dr. Schumann, I think it was. So I think he is an expert who questions whether brainstem death is really death, whether that should really be the legal test for death. And um, so I was listening to that and I was going through some of his work and I was trying to find a case that could change my mind. And I never could. I mean, there were cases where in America, there was a case where I think the parents won and they got to take the daughter home. And then, so she then ended up having two, um, she was de- declared brainstem dead and then died of kidney failure. So she, she died twice. But the reality is she was, she never, re- she never woke up. Mm. She could, she was never her. They kept her physical body going. So that's what I found really interesting about it. I never, um, uh, but I didn't, I didn't find any convincing cases when I looked, nothing that would make me, me think you know and the reading around it like reading the case maybe earlier on the parents had an argument but when like as the further you got along and they did scans and compared and you could see that you know i mean if your brain is necrotizing then it's it, so they were done, like isn't it is there like brain scans in the legal document then oh uh, yeah and they, they were they had they had they had the experts testify as well and you could see it just like I, I couldn't see it no 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 I didn't it's not in the judgment the judgment is literally just a written okay. version of the what the, so at the end of a case once the once the judges viewed everything they write mm. they, they they refer to all the evidence they've seen what they deduce from that evidence and what their judgment is so but I think that is one of the things that really stuck out to me was that you know they, they because there were so many appeals and so much delay they were doing scans all the way through and nothing, it wasn't getting any better. I've just Googled brainstem death as well. Yeah. It's when the brainstem, a part of the brain dies yeah. um, and the person would never be able to breathe or be conscious again. They wouldn't be able to breathe without a ventilator. Yeah. And they wouldn't ever gain consciousness. Yeah. So, so they must have been trying to argue dead. that he wasn't brainstem death, dead. They, they. I think the parents didn't want him to have the test at all. Why? So they, they were. So I've just, I've just rechecked it. So there was two initial applications. One was a specific issue order application. They wanted an order to set that the, the trust, the hospital wanted an order to say that they could complete the brainstem testing. They also wanted an order that they could withdraw mechanical ventilation. And in the end. Well, they, in the end, the dam- I think he was so da- his brain was so damaged they couldn't do a brain stem test anyway. Um, but the judge did order that based on all of the evidence, he was dead. And they declared him dead in March, even though... So they wanted to try withdrawing the ventilator? Who wanted to try withdrawing the ventilator? Is that mean? what you said? They were arguing, they were saying that he would be able to survive without a ventilator? No, the hospital okay. wanted to withdraw tre- treatment because it was a lost cause. Right. Okay. And yeah. the family were fine to keep him on the ventilator to say, let him yeah. die while he's on the ventilator. This is what I don't get about the whole Christian argument. Surely, if what you want is God's will, you shouldn't whack anyone on a ventilator anyway. No, God's will. Can't have is your cake he, and eat it too. Died that day if it was God's will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So just ridiculous. So yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting that they're all about all the conspiracies that were being, you know, the conspirational stuff and the starving him. And mm. I'm sure uh, there was something else as well. I can't remember what it was, but there was something else that they were trying to claim that um, I think the judge shot down pretty quickly as well. There was absolutely no evidence of foul play. No. 
But they It is interesting. I wonder why they were claiming all that then. I think they were egged on by their their their, their group as well. Oh, grief. Like Possibly. Yeah. Because the, they they were like a religious sect, like that Facebook group. It was like Archie was like mm. Jesus who got who died for like a few days, and they were waiting for him to come back to life. It yeah. was like that was their purpose in life, and it like gave mm. a load of people a purpose to like bring Archie back to life, despite all of these evil doctors and judges saying that he was dead. It was like they were mm. they were trying to control this thing. So were they part of this um, religion that he joined? Because was it his mum was saying that he'd become quite religious recently? I think that probably, I think they were using every possible legal argument they could. Yeah. A child's mm. wishes and feelings in a children matter is something that must be taken into account. But the key consideration is always going to be the child's welfare, which there is some overlap with their wishes and feelings, but just because a child says they want something doesn't mean that's what's good for them. And so overall, the judge felt that it was not, well, for one, the judge felt that Archie died in March 2022. And for another, had, even even if he hadn't, the judge was very clear that it would not have been in his best interest to continue mechanical intervention mm. and treatment. Mm. I think it's quite interesting to think about... Um cases like this one and the Charlie Gard one. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about the um, Charlie Gard one. Can you explain that? He had... Um, he was a younger a little boy, wasn't he? He was a little baby, yeah. yeah. And he had this illness that typically would make you die within, I think, the first few days maybe, but he lived longer. Anyway, there was... Um, he, he was in Great Ormond Street Hospital um, and... Um, there was a doctor he was really ill and there was this doctor in america who said okay well i've got this experimental treatment yeah. that i could give him and so his parents wanted to fly him over to america to get this treatment now great almond street hospital said that that wasn't in his best interests and um this to, case like, put went him really on a plane and everything when he's in that yeah yeah, yeah. This yeah. Case, i'm sure like, they would have had really to like put loads of equipment on the plain and yeah yeah but the nhs does do that sometimes yeah um if if there's like a treatment that you know it, it's been tested and it probably could help then they do send people to other countries sometimes mm. um but what they found was with this doctor they found that he, he had tested this out but it had been tested out on rats who didn't have like it was affecting charlie's brain and his muscles and I think the rats that had been tested on it had affected one or the other, I think. So it was more serious than him. And obviously he was a human. Um, and so it went to court and it got quite high up, like human rights got involved, mm. European human rights got involved. Anyway, in the end, they said that it wasn't in his, like you were saying, Charlie, by it being in the person's, the child's best interest. And they said yeah. it wasn't in the child's best interest. Yeah. And so after like a really public battle, um, with people like Donald Trump tweeting about it. I think the Pope did as well. Mm. People, Because people were like, got really involved with this and had said that he should be able to go to America. Mm. And um, the American media were talking about it as well. I think I read that judgment as well. Yeah, it was such an interesting ago. case. Would it have caused him like unnecessary pain to go to 
America? Like, what would what would be the reason that it's not in his best interests? That like, it wouldn't work and it would cause him more suffering and pain? Yeah, there mm. wasn't any guarantee that it would help. No, I think and it was they pretty were saying, certain that it wouldn't help. I think it was... If there'd been even a, a good chance that it would help, they would have done it, I think. I don't uh, think they what, were certain that it wouldn't help. I think the issue was that it hadn't been tested on humans. It wasn't that it was uncertain. I could be wrong, but my memory of it is that so that they were initially looking at doing the trial treatment but by the time um it was even an option he deteriorated so much that it wouldn't have worked anyway that's my recollection of it uh but the parents still wanted to try and i think that even i don't think that great almond street hospital i don't think they were ever behind it i think once they'd looked into it and saw the research that he'd done i think they were like this isn't gonna this isn't gonna help him this isn't yeah. in his best interest which is why i then went to court because mm. the parents disagreed. I find it I find it really interesting personally. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first read about it because I thought, well, surely it should be like ethically speaking, it should be about what the parents think is right. I didn't I didn't agree that I they should like, be overridden. Do you know, I, re- I can remember because I did this sort of like, you know, parents' rights, rights versus children's rights. And I did a lot of, looked at a lot of these mm. medical cases. Because mm. I think there was ones where parents had had children that then needed um, something donated. And so they had another child just so that that child could donate to the first child. Yeah. Good God. So, Really? I, you say that, but I might do it. If my first child was going to die, I can see why these parents go mental. If you've got, or, or they start acting in, in bizarre ways, if you've got a child and, and they're going to die, you would do absolutely anything in your power to save that child. I'm, well, sure, that, I'm sure the court condoned it as well. Well, like, yeah, but you'd do anything, but you wouldn't want to harm another child. That doesn't make sense. Well, we're not going to kill the other child, obviously, but it was, you know, whatever. Like, this- I want to have another child so I could harvest its it's organs that's wild i don't i mean yeah but people donate kidneys and people don't it could have been anything it could have been bone marrow i can't remember i would would you yeah if violet was it gonna does, die it doesn't help it doesn't hurt someone to like do bone marrow does it like, well i mean it's probably not a particularly pleasant procedure um but by the time they're old enough to know it's happened but yes yeah, it's and it's an interesting area of law where you're looking at the, because it's not really what the child wants, is it? It's what the state thinks the child wants. Because the person making the decision is not the child. Yeah. The so judge. the the, per- the person's supposed to the parents, sorry, are surely then supposed to be the one whose opinion is taken into consideration. If that child doesn't have autonomy. But like you've got parents who are anti-vaxxers. So let's look at this, so this example in law in children law, which is interesting because that would be a specific issue order. If you've got two parents who agree to the child not being vaccinated, then the child will not be vaccinated. The state won't intervene. But if you've got one parent applying for a specific issue order, because one parent is an anti-vaxxer and one parent wants a vaccine, generally the state will order the vaccine. Because once there's a disagreement and the court need to step in, they'll make a decision in the best interests of the child, an informed decision based on, you know, medical expertise and advice and guidance. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. It's okay, it brings, you know, we we're talking about Foucault like a few weeks ago and yeah. his theory of biopolitics and to what extent the court or the government gets to tell you what you can and can't do with your body. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's very interesting. There's a, mm. there's a, there's a, 
a good book and a film called The Children Act. That's I'm pretty sure it's called The Children Act. Let me check that. I can't check it because The Children Act will come up. Um, but it's about a boy who I think was maybe 17 who his parents were Jehovah's Witness perhaps. Oh so yeah, they, they w- don't have blood transfusions. Yeah, or like so anything. they wouldn't agree to him having a blood transfusion. And he said he didn't want to have the blood transfusion. He wanted to die, or he wanted to just let you know God choose. Blah blah blah. So yeah, so the 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 story, so the book and the film is all about that. And obviously, in this case, before he was seventeen, um, the judge intervened and ordered the transfusion because really, yeah, not going to let a child die. But then in the, spoiler alert, in the book film, you then go on to whatever the problem was recurs after he's 18 and he makes the decision and he dies. Mm. But, but after, yeah, it's really, it's definitely worth um, going to see that and having a listen and, and having a watch of it. I love this sort of shit that makes you really, really think. So, mm. yeah. So is this, this, this is not based on a true story? No. Okay, okay, okay. I wonder... But there, there are cases like that. Yeah, because like I was saying, Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't have blood transfusions and so on. So mm. if you have a child that needs a blood transfusion, but your parents are Jehovah's Witnesses, what happens in that situation? I does think the, the hospital does the state will step in. Do they? And ask for a specific issue order, and then the, the court will make a judgment in the child's best interest. Right, okay. Up until they're, you know... God, I don't actually fully know how I feel about that. Yeah. On, on one hand, I think, well, yeah, you can't just be letting kids die because of your religious beliefs. But then also, I'm like, is it okay for for someone else to tell you that your religious beliefs are not okay well, and that you're at, wrong and my, we as a state know better? I mean, I it's clear cut for me personally. Mm. Yeah. If a child is I'm, going to die, yeah, then and I that agree. child doesn't have the legal autonomy to make a decision then the state makes a decision and the state should not be bound by religion or whatever that's my that's my view but i mean look at i mean i've got cases of of female genital mutilation that i deal with are you gonna Mm. would you defend that naomi what fgm yeah parents right to perform fgm no no they they can not they can let them die but not FGM. <laughs> You're not sure about the dying, but the FGM's a dead cert. <laughs> it's tricky, mate. It's tricky. Yeah. So yeah. Why do people? Why do people do FGM? For, Relig- religious religious honour, culture. Yeah. It's cl- it makes it. If you don't have it, yeah, what, what, it, com- what it comes down to is controlling women. But they say yeah. religion. Yeah. There's no logic no logical reason for it there's different types i don't think mm, yeah i guess like yeah no you do have a good point um i don't think i've ever thought that fgm was done for religious reasons and it was just um it was cultural cultural religious they're all the same yeah yeah no you're right yeah harm is it's it's harmful but that's the thing okay maybe that's where like i'm confused maybe that's where i'm like confused um or like what's making me question it because i feel like that's like i think to perform fgm is actively harmful on an otherwise healthy female whereas if a child is ill um and you say okay well then we're going to let the child die rather than 
doing something to stop it dying. I don't I don't think I view that I in the, the same difference. way. I can see the difference. One is action, one is inaction. But I mean, when the the that action is so commonplace in our society, one simple blood transfusion could keep you alive and back to your full mm. normal self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. No, no, no. So so a blood transfusion was against religious beliefs of someone. Mm. For Jehovah's Witnesses it is, yeah. What, why? What be- What belief is that? What, where does it say that in the Bible? I don't know. People have mad <laughs> beliefs. Yeah. I don't know the roots of it. But yeah, they don't. They don't believe in blood transfusions. See, I thought that, I just, I just, I guess I just thought that the Archie case, and well, cases like that, they all sort of link into the law on how much we can intervene. So I just think it's interesting because obviously in that case, the parents couldn't decide, and 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 this and the and the parents weren't allowed to keep trying. Once the state has decided that the legal test is met and you're dead, that's it. And yet, we can't choose to die in this country. Mm. You know, we can't say this is absolutely awful. My life is hell. It's not going to get better. I want to die in a... Well, they've actually changed the law, well, kind of, around euthanasia in this country. Have they? So, kind of. Or they've changed like the technicalities of it. So basically, in 1961, they brought out the Suicide Act, I think it's called, and it said that no one was allowed to like families couldn't assist someone mm. um with killing themselves yeah uh because if they did then they would be prosecuted after the person had died mm-hmm. now people saw that um ruling as very ableist because what it essentially meant was that if you were very ill but you were in a state where you were able to kill yourself then you were perfectly within your rights to do that mm. however if say if you had some degenerative or you were paralyzed or you couldn't kill yourself then you didn't have that same right and but and the only way for it to happen for you if you were disabled would be for family to help you mm. and so they said that was a really a very ableist law and there was a case that happened with a woman called Debbie Kirby, I can't remember what her surname is. And she brought her case to the court and she was like very poorly. And she said that um, law made her want to kill herself earlier than than mm. maybe necessary because she said- it's a point where she couldn't anymore. Yeah, because then what would happen is her husband would have to, would help her and then he would get prosecuted after mm. she died yeah. now the court actually agreed with that yeah and so now they have um like a clear set of um like rules or whatever that will that, that tells you when you if you would be prosecuted and if you wouldn't be prosecuted for right. helping someone die so for instance if there's no financial gain if you've done everything that you could blah 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 these things that you can prove then mm. you can help someone die in this country and, and you and you won't be prosecuted for it mm. but say if there is financial gain 
um, maybe you've helped other people kill themselves or something, some of the dark stuff, then mm. you will be prosecuted. So there's a little bit more leeway than there used to be now. And that's in this not, country. that was in the sixties that was changed, is it? No, the the law came out in 1961, the Suicide Act, which allowed people to commit suicide if they wanted. Yeah. No, it said they couldn't. They couldn't. And then it was changed after this case with Debbie. I can't remember what her surname, per- Perdy. which was Mark Purdy. Is that what it is? We just googled it. What, wait, what like year was that? Suicide's been legal for about forty years. Um, she died in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, so it's still illegal. Like it's it's all illegal in this country. But you can see, re- but you can assist someone now. You've got to remember though that. Well, but I mean, I suppose euthanasia there is is. Um, Le- uh, medical professionals and doctors being able to assist that's fair so that's really illegal so if you are if you so say now as a family member you can assist someone with dying you know there's like all these rules that you have to meet certain um, criteria mm-hmm. however if you are in the medical industry then you still cannot assist someone in dying yeah it's just not allowed I mean, the other thing to remember is that just because something is the law um, doesn't mean that the state will necessarily prosecute it. So if a case comes along, even, so I think there was one, I can't remember, it was a few years ago, where this guy was so worried about the emotional, or whatever, not emotional, but like suffering his mum was going through. She was near, end, like very much end of life. Um, and he picked her up and threw her off above a balcony. Yeah. Good I, God, that was the way no. he chose to end her life. Him. That was the way he chose to end his mum's life. <laughs> Surely. Is that the way she chose? Way. Is that how she wanted to? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. But I do remember reading that the state chose what? not to prosecute after a thorough I would not investigation. choose to die like I think that. You, you, yeah, but I know. But I mean, I might not have sold it particularly well. I mean, that is what he did, but... What there's was no it? way. What there's was not a better name? way to sell that, mate. What was his name? <laughs> I swear it is. We'd have to, we'd have to look it up. But I think... Oh, I can't remember whether... It Son was throws clock. mom off balcony. Yeah. That's what she wanted. <laughs> Fucking hell. Mm. Wow. Oh, the care, the care home balcony. Care home balcony, yeah. God. She was in a care home, yeah. He got a suspended term. Ah, so they did... All right, so the, the CPS did pursue it then and then the the um, jury decided. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, the thing is, I don't know if him having that would mean that he he then wouldn't get his inheritance. I think they were... They cut, whoever made the decision were very clear that he didn't do it maliciously. He did it because he wanted to, to stop suffering. Yeah, I wonder when that happened then. That must have happened before the Debbie thingamajiggy case. I think it was quite recent. No, it was 2019. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So that how could you... Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't get to prison. Could, yeah, okay. How could he have proved that she really wanted that though? I don't know. Maybe I don't know witnesses. that he could prove that she necessarily wanted it. I mean, and certainly not at that point if she was in a state whereby she wasn't compass mentis enough to say what she wanted. But I think he, I think it was what came across was that it wasn't malicious and that it was done out of desperation to stop her from suffering anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think it's really interesting that you can, like, you can help someone die as a family member mm. in this country, like, essentially? Kind of, you know, it's kind of great, but you can. But if you are a doctor, and you happen to have a family member who's very ill, then in that mm. case you still can't. Mm, I didn't know that. It's interesting. 
Yeah. Would you still be a medical? Would you still be deemed to be a medical professional though? Because you you can't yeah. be a doctor for a family member. It's a conflict. You wouldn't be that that person's medical professional. Mm. Don't know. I mean, if you were a doctor, you probably wouldn't want to risk that territory anyway. Yeah. Well, there was this re- really interesting case um, with this this guy who had a woman who'd been in his care for a while, and she was really, really, really poorly. And she asked both her and her son asked or son or two sons asked him to help her die, mm. and he did. He injected her. Mm-hmm. And um, he went to court for it and they were going to charge him with murder, but mm. he ended up being charged with uh, manslaughter mm-hmm. and again had a suspended sentence. Yeah. So he didn't go to jail and he still, and he still practices now as well. Yeah. And, and they were saying they weren't actually, I think the reason he didn't get charged with murder, I mean, he injected her with something that, is only it, the only purpose of that thing was to stop a heart that's the only thing that you would use it for yeah but i think he didn't get charged with murder because they said if they couldn't guarantee that it was that that killed her because mm. she was so poorly yeah which i found very interesting oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The fact that he, yeah the fact that he's still allowed yeah. to practice as well i thought okay yeah um not that i think he shouldn't be no but yeah, it's a real grey area in this country. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. If you can't establish causation, yeah. you can have somebody did something and, the, and then this happened. But if you can't prove strongly enough that this was most definitely the cause of this, then, yeah, you don't can't get your conviction. It's interesting. I mean, what do you think of, like, laws surrounding euthanasia in this country? I think, I think euthanasia should be legal. Mm. where do you think the line should be drawn so say like you can go to switzerland now and you can if you are like very poorly you can have it but say mm. if it's um like, but it has to be a physical illness if it's depression then you can't have it yeah well should we talk about like some of those cases those interesting cases that were discussed do you in remember the, in them? the netherlands yeah yeah because you you can if you're depressed in the netherlands i believe you, you I can think it was holland there's a, a oh, you a, can a yeah you can uh, is that yeah. what it said in the podcast yeah okay somebody wasn't listening no I thought what would happen is there was a woman who had a patient that was depressed mm-hmm. and then she'd gone on holiday because she didn't want to give the person euthanasia and then she'd gone on holiday come back and her colleague had done it oh yeah that, so yeah obviously that's one it's legal that, that, yeah that's not, mm-hmm. that wasn't depression that was uh, dementia uh, okay 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 so the interesting cases then, so the, the one that's the, that seems to be most commonly known is the case of Ariella. She's a 29-year-old woman from, I think, Holland, um, who had struggled with mental health her entire life mm. um, to, to a degree that, that medical professionals um, had, had agreed that, that she just wasn't going to get any better. Or they were like giving the examples of people who had gone to such dark places mentally, had no more treatment options, and then they'd get a bit better. And while they had capacity and they'd got a bit better, they'd say, I cannot go through that again. And they would know that they would they would go through it again. And they would say, I, would, I want to end my life. So the law there has opened up to allow that i think it's it's the the legal test is now around suffering to such a great degree that you're never going to come back from it and they've allowed cases of very significant um, mental health 
problems to fall into that category, which is interesting. Because mm. um, there was a it was a case of a there was a guy as well. I can't remember what his name was. Kilbon or something anyway he was a young guy as well who opted for that and one of the things that his family were saying afterwards was that um or that there was I think there was two families there was one where the woman had just gone off to work one day they didn't know anything was wrong and she'd killed herself and then there was this other one where this guy who he'd got um assisted suicide and, and and the family of the woman was saying to the family of him we wish we could have had what you had which was the opportunity for him to tell us everything that was in his head to be able to say goodbye to know what was going on um rather than to have a lifetime of asking questions and i think that's what that ariella woman was saying was that she doesn't want to commit suicide because at the very least somebody's got to find her body and she mm. wanted to do it you know it, she did it um it, like it was like assisted like by a medical professional they didn't administer it they gave her the poison and she drank it mm. um so yeah but it that that's interesting and then obviously they they had the discussion i think it's quite a hot topic as to you've got medical prof- professionals that are saying you know, she could have found a treatment in the future that worked for her. Mm. She could have got to a point. It's not the same as being terminally ill with cancer or that's something what I where think. you are never coming back. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, I think the line should be drawn at depression. When it's like a, a mental thing, like depression. It's yeah, like, I don't think yeah. it's always But, then, I mean, but then if you're a psychiatrist and you know that somebody is so bleak that ultimately it's never ever gonna... I mean, I get it. It's a mm. really murky line and such a difficult one to draw. But if you are a psychiatrist and you do know that you've got a patient, I mean, because there was there was a psychiatrist interviewed on it who said that's the nature of the territory. There are always going to be those cases, but that doesn't mean that it is not our job to intervene and to assist people in dying because you no there's way. always going to be those cases where you could get better. Yeah, exactly. That's I why I think it should be drawn there. I'm not. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think there's arguments either way. I think the lines. For me, I think I feel like it feels clear in mm. that um, with a terminal illness, that's what it is. It's terminal. It's going to kill you. With mm. some depressed people, um, you, yeah, maybe you won't come back and be, you know, live like a life worth living. But then with a lot of depressed people, you can do. So I think that's why it should be drawn at depression. Yeah, but you. Ha- I mean, I know that the psychiatrist, but I just don't think that's a dis- that's a line or dis- or anything that I could really comment on. The, for euthanasia there for like assisting with someone's death surely yeah, yeah. I f- no but i mean no, but there was there was like there were psychiatrists who'd been who were absolute experts who'd been doing it for years who said if somebody you'll always try and look for treatment options for somebody but if you've run out of treatment options you you know that they're suffering horribly mm-hmm. they're never going to get any better yeah and i guess i guess that's a, I, I get that that is a murkier line than somebody yeah. who's terminally ill with cancer, but even so, and and I would like I I would hesitate to bring that in as a law in the way that they have in Holland. I would be like definitely for terminally ill, physical, you know, cancer, blah blah blah, all of those. Yeah, hundred percent. And I would hesitate with the other one, but I certainly wouldn't just dismiss it out of hand. Mm. I think that I would, because yeah. I think because I think that otherwise it's i think it's a really difficult line to draw 
but yeah. I think it does need to be drawn somewhere. Mm. And I think depression is where I would draw the line. Is it always just because you though? can come back from it? Is it always curable though? Like in every no, case? not always. No, I, not always. I think some people just can't come back from it. I think yeah, which is why they kill themselves and then they jump in front of, and then the the families are left. Mm. This is why this podcast was so good because it it considered all of these different angles. So it looked at a case with a woman where she said, you know, she was ready to have assisted suicide and then she did get better. But for every mm. one of her, there's going to be the people that don't and mm-hmm. who, like you say, who should get to make that decision. And and this Ariella woman was saying that had she, I mean, and she was sure, she was absolutely sure she mm. made that decision um, and she got to do it you know, in a way where she, you know, the, she wasn't jumping in front of a train or she wasn't leaving family members with questions. Everybody mm. knew where they stood. Yeah, yeah. So like one of the arguments against it in this in this country anyway, is um, if, pal- is it palliative, palpative? What's it called? End of life care, palliative. 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 If palliative care, like palliative if it is um good enough then it should make palliative care then it should make someone's like the end of someone's life as comfortable as possible and so it shouldn't be necessary yeah um because I do think anyway, when they've got people who are, you know, very old and it's end of life care, I think the mm. painkillers that they're being given can often play a part in speeding up the end anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's a blurry line in and of itself. Yeah, they were saying, it was this video that I'd watched and they were saying as well, with a, a lot of people who've been in, interviewed in palliative care, like they said that when they first... You know, like if you asked them months ago, they would have said, I want I want to die. Mm. And then because they have good care and they still get to see their families, etc., mm. then that changes the way that they think. So yeah. that's one of the arguments against it yeah. in this country. Yeah, because they were saying, because that's another thing that was discussed in this um, podcast. They were, they were talking about how there are plenty of people who would say that they absolutely want wouldn't want to live if this were to happen. Um but then when it happens they adapt to things that they never thought they could possibly adapt to Mm. before you just don't know how you're going to feel so Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. me the two cases in that podcast that I found really I guess shocking and I guess was that there's there's a I think it was in Switzerland they said there was a prosecution because there was a woman with dementia who had said when I lose my capacity and I lose my ability to say, go to the toilet myself, etc., I don't want to live. So lady with capacity instructs her medical professional at this point, I want you to end my life. Uh, and, and all of the family were aware of that, etc. So then she loses her capacity um, and the family get the doctor around to come and do it. And she resists, so they have to. For- mm. so, they, so, so the doctor forcibly does it because she, because she got, she'd got to a point of dementia where she there was like a split personality. Like one personality wanted to die, and the other one didn't. Well, and she the kept one, on the one flipping who, back and forth, didn't she? The one that had the, the 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 capacity. So the one that was, you know, had enough of cogs left, cognitive 
functioning, whatever, to instruct her medical professional. <laughs> Had enough cogs left. <laughs> enough cogs left. She's got enough cogs cogging That's around. A scientific in a, in a, term. Good <laughs> cogs. Still turning. Yeah. So the one that ha- the woman before she lost her capacity was very clear. So whichever, whoever she was at that point mm. wanted that to happen. Mm. But then once that capacity had, had gone and she was, you know, I don't know the details of it, but the, the, they're clear that this doctor is being prosecuted because the the once she didn't have a capacity anymore and she resisted, they just did it anyway because they were acting on the instructions from when they had capacity. And they I literally that- had to like hold her down, didn't they? To kill her. <laughs> Like, yeah, they had to pin her down while they, like, injected the, the poison. Like, the the most grim image you can think oh, of. That makes that would have been traumatising for that doctor as well. That makes me oh, well, the fa- It was the family. Same. It was the family that was holding her down. Like, it's traumatising for them as well. It's probably. difficult, isn't it? Because you have, you have, you, you like, because my, like, for example, my mum is like, never let me get to that point. Get the insulin out. If it gets to that point, get rid. I don't want to live like that. I don't know why she's Yorkshire because she's never been Yorkshire. <laughs> no, I was about life. to say. But she is in this example, all isn't, right. Isn't that the... So So that was the case where the doctor lost, didn't he? And they said that they that they couldn't prove that she'd given her don't know. wishes. Don't know. I don't know because probably that case is finished now, but this podcast was a couple of years ago and I never actually checked what happened with the case because at the time of the podcast, they were, they were being prosecuted. I, I believe that doctor lost that i'm gonna make sure of that rightly so rightly so i agree i think but then yeah. it's just difficult isn't it and i guess that that's what you're saying Naomi, is that it's very difficult when it's when it's a mental problem but i suppose it was a mm. physical problem as well but i suppose mm. that's that's a different issue in in and of itself isn't it because it's it's that person's identity ultimately that the person with capacity had already gone mm. and whatever was left very yeah i think that, that to me is a very clear cut no yeah uh, 100% people change their minds I mean she's because you know like a lot of people when they're like "Mm, slippery slope I'm just like well there's a slippery slope with everything that's what you know whatever but yeah I mean that you couldn't really get more so then so the the other violence of holding her down as well oh no honestly that made me really uncomfortable and then the other case which is the one that you mentioned, Naomi, was a doctor who said that she had had to resign because there was a patient, mm. he'd got he'd got dementia and he'd initially said he wanted euthanasia and he wanted, it, you know, and then apparently his wife, the doctor mm. felt like his wife was bullying him a bit. Mm-hmm. She'd, pressuring she'd him, be, yeah. made, said, you're pressuring him a bit. She'd mm. made comments of, Oh, he wants it. Oh, he doesn't. If only he just was he less empowered, um, which is just disgusting. Mm. So she said that she had, she thought she'd got to a point where she agreed with the family it wasn't going to happen. Um, and then she'd gone on annual leave, and when she came back, her colleague had euthanized him because her which colleague had wild. got a more pro euthanasia stance. Now we don't know what the ins the and outs fuck? of that case, um, but that made me incredible and comfortable as well because she then said i i can't stay in this job when no. i can't keep my patients safe yeah 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 so yeah i can't believe we... the colleague was allowed to do that can you imagine coming back to that um can you u- imagine update, be... update on that other case he was actually acquitted in the end that doctor was he was it because they had proof 
Um, that she wanted that. Applause broke out in the courtroom after the court heard that the doctor had been right to abide by the woman's stated wishes, that there was no mm. legal duty to verify the current death wish in such a case. Jesus. Whew. Well, that is a slippery slope right there, isn't it? That's very interesting. Because what they were, when there was current death wish, I mean, I get it because they were saying in that Ariella case that, that right before they say, are you sure? And if there's any inkling of doubt, then they adjourn. But I suppose... Maybe it's because the family were involved as she'd well. She'd stated herself that she wanted to be able to decide when to die while mm. still in my senses and when mm. I think the time is right. But mm -hmm. how do they know that she thought the time was right? Because she was mm. only half saying that. Mm. Mm. God, it's really fucking tricky isn't it mm. yeah yeah who knows i wonder if that if if i wonder just i mean obviously i know this is totally hypothetical but imagine if they went back to that woman in her senses you know if they could go back and ask her did mm. we do the right thing i wonder what she'd say oh sorry the, doc the doctor was a woman i assume. yeah it was i thought it was a woman whoops yeah imagine that she would say yes because she said when she had full capacity that this is what i want I imagine she'd say yeah. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because I mean, yeah. But then if... I, I mean, don't understand why they didn't if have to prove it. If that is what she wanted, mm. then just because we're squeamish and uncomfortable about it, but it's so difficult, isn't it? There's no way she of didn't back know. and establishing. Uh, yeah, plus like it's what she wanted, but she didn't know. But if she had known that she was going to go out like that... Yeah. Would she still say? Yeah, yes, because like, isn't the whole point to die with dignity? Like with that's dignity, not with dignity, is not it? Not being pinned down yeah. and fought. But the other option would be what? That she'd be confused, not, you know, not know who she is shitting herself in a bed. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that that, that case is right. I absolutely don't think it is. It makes me really uncomfortable. But I found I found that other one really interesting. The one that was like that, that um that son who said like his mum had terminally terminally terminal cancer mm -hmm. and but she like but because she was depressed and wanted to die mm. she overstated her physical illness to doctors yeah. mm -hmm. and yeah. um and that and she and like the son was saying that she was able to act really well and yeah. and basically make it look like she was in so much pain than she really was when really the pain yeah. was only in her mind and not in her body yeah and that that worked and he and he but didn't she did have lung know. cancer though yeah but like he thinks that she could have had a few more years yeah and um yeah and he buried her with that letter yeah and yeah because he was really angry about it but the, yeah. oh, i listened to that one as well so, so the son is really angry that his mother was euthanized and i think the point they were making in that was that he didn't know she was she was doing yeah it. he didn't even know like and he wanted he felt he had a right to know yeah but i don't agree that he did he had a right to ask her and she yeah. had a right to privacy and if yeah. he didn't like it then so be it plenty of plenty of families do things that other people in their families don't like well they were saying that a lot of people who get um euthanized will overstate the pain that they're in to mm -hmm. get to receive the euthanasia as mm -hmm. well um i didn't i didn't the, the the fact that he buried her with that letter about mm. how resentful he was and cross he was, I thought was too much. Or was yeah. 
Like it's I not about like it's her choice. Yeah. If she wanted to do something that you weren't happy with, she had what a choice to be she buried with. She could have told him if she'd wanted to. She obviously made the probably because she knew he would react like that. Mm. I've written you a letter. I, I doubt it was a yeah. letter that was like combative in nature. It was probably just more like I really regret that I couldn't spend a few more years with you, kind of thing. It did. Like, really I regret not realizing. Yeah, mm. yeah. It was probably more guilt than than anger probably in that letter i would assume but that's her autonomy she has that right she had that mm. right to make that decision and because that is one of the things they were saying like they they wanted it to be or or, or at some point in the initial considerations of the law there was a consideration about family members being involved and being told and then that was scrapped because of the potential for you know them to resist Potential, f yeah, potential for them trying to influence it and get involved, and and ultimately, is you know, if a person wants to throw themselves off a bridge, they can, so they don't need to liaise with other family members. Hmm. I, so I, that's autonomy. I think that's personal autonomy. I don't think you should have to involve anybody else. Hmm. So, like, at what point do is a person's autonomy overridden? by the state so like you know with um like we this case we discussed before with like archie and charlie mm. at the end of the day those parents their autonomy was taken away from them because mm. this uh, the court decided well actually we know best you don't know best well, so at what point is that line at what point is that line that drawn autonomy, because autonomy is over yourself isn't it Yes, but and if you it, if it it's a baby, it's a child's autonomy, and a child yeah, but doesn't if have legal capacity. Yeah, so in that in that sense, then that's when it's about it, uh, the parent has autonomy then, because like you say, the child doesn't have the capacity to decide on these things. So at what point is it? Does the state say, well, actually, no, this isn't about what you want. Your autonomy doesn't actually matter at this point because we think that well, we probably know what's when they best. Need, they need to clear beds. Or they think that a parent is causing... Like, I mean, I suppose there's, there's two arguments, isn't there, with the Archie case. One, they needed the beds. They can't. You can't just keep dead people on ventilators for months and months and months at great expense. Yeah. But also, th those medical professionals have an oath to do no harm, and they thought that by keeping him on a ventilator, they were doing harm. So they felt they had a legal duty mm. to apply to the court and for the court to make a decision. There are like, from what I understand, I think there are like four pillars that medical professionals are supposed to abide by. So yeah. I just find that quite interesting mm. that the court can step in and just override that Yeah. when they think it's best. Mm. Well, the court can step in and take children off parents when they think it's best. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but the, the, when it's an obviously harmful situation yeah i guess that's what it is isn't it when it's like seems obviously harmful very obviously, that's when they yeah. say well yeah soz yeah soz so that's what you want but, parents, you know, oh, i mean rarely do the parents agree with it mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what's the difference between them physically harming him in life and just letting him is lying in a, in a bed shitting himself while his brain rots Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. taking up like all of the doctor's time and all of the nurse's time, and you're like harming other patients at that point. And having a new, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in, um, if, I mean, in the, in 
care proceedings where they look at whether or not they need to remove children that it's a very very steep threshold to meet so you can't just be like these parents are a bit shit this is going wrong you have to meet a very high threshold and the and the the law is very very clear that it's not the state's job to step in to correct Mm. all shit parenting i mean that isn't the formal terminology but it isn't it isn't the state's job to step in and and stop all forms of inadequate parenting it has to be a very very high um, threshold otherwise you're at risk of social engineering Mm. sorry just the the four pillars here four pillars of medical ethics are autonomy respect for the patient's right to self-determination beneficence beneficence the duty to do good Mm -hmm. non-maleficence is the duty to not do bad and then mm. justice is to treat all people equally and equitably. Mm. Okay, there we go. Would you, you knew before when you were saying you would have a kid to treat Violet yeah. um, if she was ill. Would mm. you like, how, would you like, say that Violet needed a kidney, would you have a kid and then like remove an organ? If Violet would was you? Die, I'd do anything. She might irritate the fuck out of me because I can but, never just look at my flowers in peace. Yeah. If, if she was, if, if she was going to die, and there was any way around it, I would do anything. But then what about the potential that that kid could die if the surgery well, went wrong? That's just potential. Potential versus, you don't, I mean, most people But you would risk the other kid dying then? Well, it's not a big risk, is it, to have a kidney? You've got two. You're still risking the death of a child to save another child. Right. Yeah. Really? God, I find that really interesting. Mm. So if you do have another kid now, do you think that... It, Violet ultimately will always be your favourite. No, it's not about really. Okay, but it's not one dying versus the other dying, is it? Because if you've got a child who is terminally who is going to die if you don't intervene, and you've got another child where there's a risk of them having an operation and whatever, a risk of them dying. That's not the same risk. One risk is here. One risk is well, it's not the same. It's not the same amount of risk, but it's still like I, I I'm surprised that you would take that risk there. Not in a judgmental way, I'm just surprised. But I don't think it is that big a risk to have a kidney transplant, to, to give somebody well, a kidney. Well, if you, if you have one, one kidney, then, then if, for the rest of your life, you're on dialysis. Are you? And you are actually, yeah, you're on, like, you're poorly. Are you? Um, I'm pretty sure. I don't but think you, so. But it's not like a low risk thing to remove an organ, which I think is why I'm surprised. It's not like, oh yeah, fuck it, yeah. Take good night, okay. Plus, if something fucks up with it, like you one left, one yeah, like over later in life, then you're fucked. All right. So, according to according to National Kidney Foundation, dialysis should be started only if your kidneys have lost eighty five to ninety percent of their function. Since you usually have nearly normal kidney function when you have one, you won't need dialysis unless it fails. But I mean, we're getting into minutia here. Yeah, yeah. If there was a risk of harm to the other child to save one, then I would save one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if so, then if you had another child then after yeah. Violet and that kid got really ill, yeah. and Violet could save that kid, you would take, you would risk taking something from her like a kidney to save the other it's one. Funny because now you've said it, I'm like, that's hard. Now I actually have to imagine her because mm. she's a real person. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's difficult as well. And what if she not... doesn't want like want to do it? Well, mm. I don't know. I'd have to have that conversation with her. But I still think on balance, probably. To save the child's life. If I loved that other child as much as I love Violet, which I probably would. Mm. Depends. Depends how many times that, that child said to me, Mimi, look, look what I can do. Look at this. Mimi, look at this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. It's not fucking impressive. My mum's been looking up our um, family tree and she sent a WhatsApp today and she sent a picture of like her great great grandfather to me on WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, it looks a bit like George Clooney, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mum, are you. Such a shaggy granddad. Are you saying <laughs> that your own great great grandfather? My granddaddy hot. It's hot. To be fair, my granddad is handsome in his younger years. I've got pictures of him, and I was like, oh, they make a very like my granddad and my grandma make a very handsome couple. Mm. But I saw him when he was old, and he was not handsome anymore. <laughs> but he no, he was actually um a, civ- a civil engineer, and he left like. Uh, what would be the equivalent of four million pounds to his children so oh, wow. where is where yeah where the fuck is my money are we all a bit fucking dead today we should we should have all had a wank just before like we said we were going to last i time. know <laughs> for god's sake i was tempted to wank today and we'll i just come on next time all glowy because we've all had a wank but can you imagine me trying to do it with them assholes in the background Mummy, what are you doing <laughs> Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh have they ever what have they has she ever not seen you don't when you've been trying to have a wank no mm, good but she has like i can remember once when like n- when after i can't remember she was quite a lot younger and i'm trying to like have you know intercourse well like have, trying to have a sex life and i can remember being like almost there when she woke up in the night crying and being like no <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Like, what can you do? I just have to like hop off and go and sort her, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, you've got to be so selfless. I, I really know. enjoy being selfish. And it does not come naturally to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess something just kicks in, doesn't it, when you have a kid? It's like, okay, I have this, this thing that depends on me. It's not yeah. about me anymore. I mean, if you're a good parent. Because yeah. like, when she was born and I was in hospital, I can remember like. You're not like, hardly any sleep, but the doctor wanted to do a check on her and he was like, should I just take her and go do it or do you want to come? And I was like, I'm coming. Hmm. Just there's something within you that's like, I'm going to protect this little fucker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even yeah. though it's just the doctor doing a check, like he's not going to do anything, was he? But I was like, I'm coming. Hmm. And I will watch you, doctor, with my tiny, precious little baby and make sure that you don't do anything. <laughs> See, I feel like that's the thing that makes me think oh maybe i would have children because i'm i probably i probably will but i like the idea of having like feeling this love that Mm. is like incomparable uh and i know just like when i think about just how much i'd love my child Mm. but you don't actually fully know until you have it and i like the idea of like i guess the intensity of that and the bond well, I kind of feel like it would be the way that I feel about my cats now, but maybe more intense. <laughs> Although yeah. I don't know if that could be any more intense, the love I have for my cats. So yeah. it's but hard to thought, imagine. Oh, yeah. it's, it's totally different. <laughs> I can remember when we took her on holiday to Spain, we went down to the pool. I was going, I was going to run the pool and just shat all in a swimming costume. 
She just had this, and honestly, it was like a ball. Oh, it was like a tennis that? ball in a swimming costume. <laughs> oh. She got out and, and she was like, I don't, I don't know why I do this. Oh. I don't know why you fucking oh. do it either. You're pain in the oh, ass. She was like thing. doing the walk of shame, like around the pool with this tennis ball sized poo. <laughs> but she looks back on that memory very fondly. Because I've seen two of her exercise books at school when she's been asked to talk about something that happened. She talks she about, talks about shitting herself. She talks about when she shat herself in the pool, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Probably because oh I God. talk about it fondly because it is very yeah, funny. It is funny, yeah. 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 Oh, I was laughing. Oh, yeah, I was laughing, Naomi, with me the other day because me and Georgia were. Because the other day, we were just driving. She'd obviously listened to the thing about you and she's like, you know, Naomi really shouldn't be eating crisps in a library. That's so funny. She, can I... Can I tell you a funny story before we go? Have I told you the Big Ben story before? Big, Big ben, ben, the tower, or Big Ben, like, someone's peen? Well, both. Ooh. It's called Ben and Big Ben, the tower. Right. <laughs> and I think this is a really good filter for whether somebody's going to have a similar humour to me or not. And let's see what you guys think of this. So, my stepdad does a job where he works in an office full of men and the job they do they often have apprentices um and the latest one was a young guy really nice guy called ben yeah now my stepdad also has a brother who's quite eccentric shall we say town he's he's kind of like the local he often is in town day drinking getting absolutely shit-faced yeah so his brother is called the moon because he's got he's got a nickname of the moon because he only comes out at night. We met him. You met the moon. Yeah, we I remember this now. Yeah, because he because yeah. because he was dancing with you at working men's club. Yeah, and he was loved that you were wearing Doc Martens and he kept being like, "Are you going to work after? <laughs> You're going to work a shift in your Doc Martens." People often have something to say about my Doc Martens. Like it's a very common shoe. Yeah. <laughs> not not for a man in a working men's club in Grantham. <laughs> But anyway, um, anyway, yeah, so there's a lot about him that's very, like, you know, small town, that whatever. But he really is quite funny in a weird way, especially when he's drunk. Some of the shit he comes out with can be really quite funny. And he, I mean, he's got quite, he's got a bit better now. But anyway, he was, he was, what happened was, Ben told me this, because I knew him, we were similar age, but this was about, I don't know. 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago, something like that. Anyway, Moon had been out drinking and he recognised Ben. Ben, who was having a nice meal with his family in some sort of pub that had like a nice seating area where you go and eat. Moon went over and went, oh, I think he drunkenly talked at them for about 20 minutes while they were trying to eat the meal. Then he looked at Ben and went, who are you? To which Ben said, I'm Ben. And Moon, with Ben there and his parents there, just looked at him and went, Big Ben. <laughs> Big Ben struck ten. <laughs> Little Ben. Shit him, son. <laughs> Just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favourite stories. 
what they're like. <laughs> okay, my loves. Well, it was nice chatting to you, even though it was about a dark subject. Right, we need to say bye and do a proper outro. Bye, proper outro. <laughs> <laughs>